Thank you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. With me, as always, my co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. Are you copying my background again, Kirk? I am copying your background. And people will never know because I have been so slow on the YouTube uploads. (laughs) They'll never know. They'll know about it months from now. I'm just kidding. Years from now. That's like, right. Wait a second. Are they in the same place? <laughs> Are they sitting at the exact same location at the same time? How can that be possible? The uh, multiverse of podcasts. I have one room in my house. It has two walls that are exactly the same. They are across from each other. And Kirk and I webcast with each other, just sitting straight across from each other. That's how that works. <laughs> High five. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, and I'm your other co-host, Cam. Thank you guys so much for being with us. We're excited to be here, excited to be uh, back to our normal release schedule of episodes this week. We're going to have a little What's Poppin' movie and TV news update for you today, which is the first time in a long time that we've gotten to do that, followed by, later this week, our review of the film Air uh, with... Matt Damon and uh, Ben Affleck, Chris Tucker, Viola Davis, so many uh, amazing stars in that movie, which has recently released very soon after its theatrical release to Prime Video, like very soon. Yes. Like quickly. A month. Yeah, less than the 490 day. Oh, wait, yeah, way less than the 90 day theatrical window, like less than a 60 day window. It was quick. It was very quick. I was very surprised and happy. I am too. I was happy. It absolutely bombed in the box office because it tried to go toe-to-toe with Mario, which I thought was an insane, insane plan. It was like the the Jon Snow meme, you know? It's like there's an entire army of people running towards and he's like unsheathing his sword. That's <laughs> That was air against Mario. I just don't understand. Like, you and I both went to the theater, I think, multiple times that weekend and every theater... Every, every screen was showing Mario except for like one and each one of those screens was packed. Yes. And air was showing at, I want to say like 10, 15 AM and seven fifteen. PM. Oh, you're right. And because, that was about it. Yeah. Because you were like, Hey, we should go see air. Like one of these nights after, after like our kids go to sleep or whatever. And I was like, yeah, down. And then you're like, actually the show times are absolutely terrible. There's no way we'll get to do it. So <laughs> And we sure didn't. And I blame Ben Affleck wholeheartedly. <laughs> him. That's yes, him. I agree. He stipulated. He was like, this movie cannot show later than 8 p.m. on any night <laughs> at any theater ever. Absolutely weird. I don't know. What a I've, weird writer. I've, I don't know why he would put that into <laughs> I don't know. Contract. I don't know. I, these, some, some things can't be explained. But that is the movie we're going to review this week. So if you have a Prime Video subscription, make sure you check that out. The movie's a shade under two hours, so plan accordingly for that and uh we'll have a review for you spoiler free later this week and we're excited about that one i i I had a lot of fun watching that movie because i really enjoy sports business i love it um for those of you who don't know i actually went to school for sports business in oregon where nike headquarters um is actually got to visit nike headquarters during my time there so maybe i'll share some tidbits uh on on the podcast we'll have to wait and see and for those of you who don't know, I am an NBA player actively. So I play for the uh, the Cincinnati War Dogs. You can catch me. <laughs> yes, any, my favorite team. Any Tuesday and Thursday. Oh, no, War Dogs. 
that was actually a pretty good on the fly name. I don't know what a war dog would look like, but now I'm intrigued. I love, I'm obsessed with uh, team names and mascots. I just, yeah. I, I find the, like, how do people come up with these things? Because some of them are so boring. Um, yeah. but Cincinnati war dog sounds tough as all get out. I love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You, you wouldn't believe it. I mean, it can, if I were to tell you how many hours were wasted in college of me watching people in mascots for whatever team, um, walking through malls and scaring people. Oh yeah. People. On YouTube. Oh, it was the best. That was a great time right there. That, we yeah. don't have that anymore because I know. People would get sued immediately. And that's why the cultural uh, fabric of our society is deteriorating. That's the reason right there. Um, <laughs> we figured it out just like that. We're only like three minutes in. This we already solved world peace. All right. <laughs> Let's get into it, Kirk. We've got, I mean, it's been a while, so we're going to shake off the rust and get into the movie and TV news. I know you're ready. I think I'm ready. Are we ready to pop it up? Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay, now our first story that we're going to cover today is actually one that's that's sort of been in the news for a while. And the fact that we haven't spoken about it yet is partially planned and partially not. First of all, we wanted to let the dust settle a little bit so that we could get the facts and understand what we are exactly looking at. Um, and secondly, we had a bunch of crazy reschedules. So we, we're still not discussing it as soon as we would have liked to, but that topic is the... Writers Guild of America, WGA strike, also known colloquially as the writers strike. Um, this is, of course, the the largest um, screenwriting uh, union in Hollywood. Um, mostly, this would be every major television show that you know of, as as well as as major films. Um, so, New York, L.A all the writers across the country who are working on some of your favorite programs, most of your favorite movies and TV shows um, are probably uh, members of the WGA and they are on strike. And Kirk, we've been kind of waiting to see, you know, what, what are the demands that are really popping up as the sticking points in this deal? Because anytime there's a strike, there are so many reasons for it. And I think that uh, the first reason, uh, the first thing for people to understand about this is that, the WGA voted near unanimously uh, for this strike. It was like something around 98% of members uh, voted in favor of it and a massive percentage of them, like it was also in the high 90s, was the percentage of union members who voted. So right. this is a, a very well-supported um, strike within the Writers Guild. And, um, you know, the last time we had a writer's strike like this was... 2008, I believe, 15 years ago. And yeah. if you guys remember, um, <laughs> it was bleak. It was bleak, man. Like, some shows were flat out ruined. And um, the rest of the TV time slots were filled up with things like uh, American Ninja Warrior and uh, American Gladiators and, like, all of these, like, reality game show type things. It was tough out there. Yeah, you had Joe Millionaire. All these like <laughs> Joe, dude, spin-offs. Joe Millionaire absolutely slapped though. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. I think it was written before, so they had their structure down, and they just like pivoted <laughs> with it. Yes. Know? Oh man, you know they ruined Heroes. It could have been the the series. Right. Uh, could have been such such a good collective series. Uh, yeah, it just it just lasted for. No one knew the impact. And what's 
crazy about when that happened versus now is that they brought in basically like scab workers to kind of figure it out, whether they were the creatives that were already part of the creative team that was established and said, hey, you're you can kind of write. Okay, you figure this story out or completely brand new people outside of the union. This time they're shutting productions down entirely. Right. That's impressive. That is different. Yeah, it's been um, well supported by those who are writers and executive producers and directors. There's been lots of writer directors who with high profile um, positions. I mean, we've seen Chris Nolan, Jason Sudeikis. Uh, these are weird names to use in rapid succession. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Um, I know that um, uh, Tony Gilroy, who is the writer and executive producer on Andor, which is a much beloved show, uh, is still on set in an, in a producing capacity, but not as a writer. Um, so there's just been a lot of people um, picketing in support of this strike, as well as just, like you said, Kirk, not allowing productions to move forward as a result of this strike. So it's definitely a stalemate at this point. And, and I mentioned earlier about the demands. Um, you know, when, when we were talking early about this, it's like, well, you read through the stuff, there's a lot going on in terms of the different agreements. But over time, sticking points arise. And these can be indicators of sort of like how long this will go on um, potentially and what is really at stake here. So in what I have gathered, there seem to be two main sticking points on either side of this that are the negotiation um, points. On the um, writer's side, they want there to be a minimum number of union writers on each show based on um, the size of the production. So yes. it goes up proportionally based on it. So uh, if it's a, you know, X million dollar project, you'd have to have six. But if it's a, if it's a $500 million thing, you need to have whatever. 12, 20, whatever. If you're writing SVU, which is like a big network television show, you would need like 12 writers. If you're writing, I don't know, some tiny streaming show, you need like four, whatever. So that seems to be what the writers are going for. Obviously looking for job security, looking for more opportunities for writers, um, looking for just to make sure that that writers have jobs and are, are able to secure pay and don't have all these like gaps in employment because that's a huge problem for people who write, it's like very gig based. Um, yeah. And you, it's like, they kind of have to find a show or a movie and kind of latch onto it, which is not a good way to live your life. I don't think any of us would want to live our life that way. Um, and then on the, uh, the other side, and this is sort of both sides, obviously um, the, the uh, studios don't want to do that. The other thing studios don't want to do is pay residuals on streaming content. And that's probably the biggest sticking point of them all. You know, the studios are saying if we have to pay residuals and pay for all these extra writers to be on staff, it's going to be too expensive. It's going to hurt the production. It's going to cut into our margins. We're not going to be able to keep making as many shows, which means you guys will get less jobs. And the writers are saying like residuals were a thing before streaming. It was one of the big incentives to writing on TV. And now that streaming has somehow gotten rid of that, which I think is bonkers. It's just crazy. Um, They don't, that's, you you no longer have an incentive. So um, those are the two main ones, Kirk. What what do you think about, about this whole situation? 
Yeah, you know, as you're saying it, uh, I, I love to see actors go on TikTok and unwrap their residual checks um, or when they did because they yeah. kept getting smaller and smaller. But it was very fun to see like what was paying the most, what network, what episode, what show, what movie uh, in, in perpetuity, how they were getting. It was kind of exciting. Like, here's this random check that arrives, you know. Um, on the flip side of that, would it be possible, and maybe it's been discussed, would it be possible to eliminate residuals if the big corporations wanted to, but then in return, you're paying up front like actor money to the writers? Like, okay, so they get $5 million to be the star of the show. Well, the writer who made them look, look and sound so good because of the atmosphere they created in the script, they also get paid $5 million. Yep. Would that be a possibility? I think so. I mean, I think it's, it's all about compensation and you can, and you can compensate people in different ways. Um, fair compensation can be, you pay me all my money up front or you pay me a little bit of money up front and I get a cut of whatever goes on from here. And, and we've seen it done both ways. I think what's really kind of wacky about all this is, and this, this often happens when there's emerging technologies because nobody knows how to regulate it. Right. There was a white space when streaming came out. And I think these studios said, look, we don't have to pay residuals on all this stuff. This falls outside of the scope of contracts that we've signed with these major television shows. You know, your friends, your How I Met Your Mothers. Um, we can sell their streaming rights and we pocket everything. You know, it doesn't mm -hmm. have to go to these other guys because it's out of the scope of the contract. And that feels slimy, I think. Um, I get it. Dirty, dirty dish rag. It, Out it, goes Y-O-U. That's all I think about when it, I think about them. Exactly. It, it does. Like, it just, it feels a little dirty. Um, it, you could make an argument that they just didn't know. Um, but, they, you know, these are major uh, multi-billion dollar corporations. And so they, they had a good idea of what was going on there. So I think that's a fair, a fair demand. So the compensation structure needs to be changed, whether it is, Going back to a residuals model, which I I wish I would assume the WGA is going to prefer. Yeah, um, it's familiar, and there's a, there's more value and more control on the union side of that, and tons of upside doing that. Yes, and yeah. because the the deals can switch on a on a drop of a hat. Like yes. all of a sudden, it's at Paramount Plus, and now it's at Apple TV Plus, and now it's at Corn Plus. Like it, whatever it happens, yeah. like. Absolutely. I'm sorry, I'm looking at a popcorn and on my on my. <laughs> it's coming, Kirk. One one of those that'll be a streaming service soon enough. <laughs> but it's you know the other thing that will come into play there is like how do you how you know back in the day it was how often is this episode shown, you know which time spot like yeah. that's how the residuals were paid out. How does that work with streaming? Minutes viewed, hours viewed, clicks. Um, they're going to have to decide upon a standardized method of measurement. And the other thing too is you think about Disney, they don't share their data with Nielsen. So you can't use Nielsen's data as the source of truth. It's a mess. There's a lot of things going yeah. on here. Each of these companies um, guards their data in a different way. They don't have to share. There would, I would think there would be, I don't know. You'd have to worry about the legitimacy of the data in a lot of cases, obviously they have a fiduciary responsibility if they're a publicly traded company to report the data accurately so that their shareholders can invest. So there should be some source of truth, but I mean, it's, it's not going to be as clean as what we had going on with cable. Not at all. No. So Kirk, let's, let's sum this up with a quick, how long you think this goes. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be a specific amount of time. Just, 
do you think it will be resolved sometime in the next three months? Like, let's let's call it. Uh, we're coming up on Memorial Day. Let's say resolved by, I don't know, Labor Day, or do you think it extends beyond that? Whoa, Labor Day is far away, right? Is Labor okay, Day Fourth September? of July, Fourth of July, resolved oh. by Fourth of July. All right, today is May fifteenth, Fourth of July. Hmm. I think it gets wrapped up pretty quickly. Are we in week two going on week three at the end of this week, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because productions have literally shut down versus trying to barrel on through things, I think July 4th is a very accurate representation. Okay. Yeah. See, I could see it going either way. I, I lean towards it going longer and getting a little bit uncomfy. Just because these are, this is going to be tough to un to unspool, and uh, I don't know. There's a lot of money to that's on the table right now from both sides because, like you said, with production shutting down, like the thing that it sticks in my head is something like Disney. You know, they've got Andor in the works, they've got the Blade movie, they've got all these movies that are supposed to be starting production or TV shows um, that they just frankly won't be able to do. And are they okay with that? Um, cause they're right. in a pretty tenuous situation with their stockholders too. They just lost 4 million subscribers in the last quarter on Disney plus. Wow. Um, so it, it's, you know, there, there's so many variables at play. Um, I'm going to, just to be devil's advocate, I'll say it goes longer than July 4th. We'll see who's okay. right. We'll see who's right. I, I'm not like super confident in that, but we'll just see how it goes. <laughs> and if you have yeah. thoughts on the WGA strike or anything you think is interesting to consider or chat about, be sure to drop some thoughts with us on discord or in, uh, in our social media feeds. Cause this is a, this, these things are always intriguing, always interesting to watch. And, uh, you know, we want it to end one way or the other. We want it to end. We obviously want writers to be fairly compens- compensated. We love writers. They do amazing, magical things on the they screen do. that we just love. Um, so we hope that this can get to a resolution. Soon. So write to your local representatives, write to them right away because they are going to communicate with their WGA. Should be like, listen, uh, and or season two, I need it. I need it uh, in my life. Abbott Elementary is hanging out there and I just need more of it. It's not rings of power, yeah. stranger things, SNL. Well, maybe not rings of power. Ooh. Maybe not. Ooh. All right. <laughs> 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 Moving on. Next up. Well, in the midst of all this, there's still lots of casting news floating around, Kirk. And I want to start with one, one set of casting news that is is interesting. Um, and that is with regard to Superman Legacy. Yeah, Superman Legacy, which, of course, is the hotly anticipated film from James Gunn, uh, the official kickoff to the DC Studios era of, um, in the DCU era of, of DC Studios, um, this film will be written and directed by James Gunn, as was uh, the movie that's number one in the box office right now, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And everyone, Kirk, is waiting to hear who will be donning the red cape and uh, becoming the next Clark Kent and Superman. In the midst of that, The Hollywood Reporter, um, two fabulous reporters, um, Boris Kitt and... Hold on. Mia Galupo um, reported on Friday that there is a short list of actors who have been considered for roles in Superman Legacy, including the main roles of 
Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and even Lex Luthor. Um, some of those names are David Cornsweet, who was in Pearl. For those of you who saw that with Mia Goth, he was the. He Hold was on. The, Hold on. What? This man is in Hollywood, and his last name is Cornsweet. It is Corin Corin Sweat, unless I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. C O R E N S W E T. Oh. I'm so. <laughs> There's also um, Jacob Ellerdy, who I think many people will recognize from Euphoria. Has also he's he's kind of an up and comer. I almost I almost put him in the same camp as like a um, um, oh who's the guy from the Taylor Swift video? I'm showing my Dylan O'Brien. He's almost in that like heartthrob category of actors. Um, Those are sort of the two big ones. I know they also mentioned. Uh, Tom Brittany and Andrew Richardson, um, who are both British actors that could also be involved there. But okay. Lois Lane is where things get really interesting because this, this list, if true, is all over the board. We've got Emma Mackey from Sex Education, uh, and I think she's, she's going to be in the Barbie movie as well. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel herself, Rachel Brosnahan. What? Yes. Um, Phoebe Denevere or Denevore from, uh, Bridgerton, I think is her claim to fame. And one of my current favorite actors, uh, in the field right now, Samara Weaving, Samara Weaving, all considered okay. for Lois Lane. And those names are all over the board, Kirk, in terms of age, appearance and the like style, Training style. Actor. Yeah. Vibe. <laughs> all <Wow>. of it. <laughs> What's and, the vibe check for Lois here? Yeah, exactly. And finally, Kirk. For the villain Lex Luthor, who is expected oh. to be the villain in this film, the one actor who has bubbled up in conversation, according to The Hollywood Reporter, is none other than Nicholas Holt. Oh. <laughs> I was waiting to see your reaction to that. <laughs> I know you're not a huge fan of his work. Um, I'm not. Hear me out. Hear me out. Can yeah. the villain be again Kevin Spacey, like he was in Superman? Oh, no, let's not go there. <laughs> Let's, we're gonna leave that we're gonna leave that over there but here's what's interesting Kirk because you know when you throw casting news around and it's a James Gunn film um, it's kind of like if you if you come for the king you best not miss type of thing because yeah. he is always allowed to check I want to read this to you Kirk so we can see if we can do some reading in, in between the lines so after this dropped on uh, Friday or maybe it was even Saturday now that I'm thinking about it uh, James Gunn posted this to Twitter where he said, for all of you asking, I would never comment on who is or isn't auditioning for a role. That's the actor's business only and isn't something I'd make public unless they did it first after the fact, in parentheses, like Glenn Howerton or Zachary Levi having auditioned for Star-Lord and being top choices. For now, only one person has been cast in Superman Legacy and it isn't any of the regular players in the Superman world. So your reaction to all of those names, as well as that comment by James Gunn. First of all, can this? Do, do you trust it that this is an actual short list, or um, is James Gunn trying to tell us that this is a bunch of baloney? Well, I respect James Gunn for not outing someone because what if their audition didn't go well? They didn't want to let someone know they got that far in the process, right? So 
I'm thankful for him. He's a great director. I call him a good friend, and I am here to announce that I am the next Superman. Dude, this what? It's me. I'm going to dye my hair. I'm getting ripped right now. It's me, ladies and gentlemen. It's that simple. And you're welcome for seeing this groundbreaking news. Wow. Congratulations. The The hair will be tough. That's going to be a tough go. I but know. I have the utmost faith in you. We're going to have to change the logo. Uh <laughs> For the podcast, the Superman logo. <laughs> uh, no, my hair. Oh, it's a black hair. Blonde, right, right. Yeah, that'll so, be tough. Yeah. No, um, Nicholas Holt. I. <sighs> what, what was? Wasn't there something that I saw him in, and I finally said, "Okay, this is decent." I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I but think it must. It was something we did. It was something we did recently, wasn't it? Yeah, but everything else minus whatever that movie is and see it's not even that great because i can't remember i just don't think that he exudes lex luther lex luther is so specific and it has been cast well <laughs> twice uh yeah. gene hackman and michael rosenbaum for the smallville series um i don't know the voice actors as well there might be a fantastic voice actor out there who's played lex luther as well but i just ah it's so hard that I wish we had no choices told to us at all. Yeah. I kind of side on James Gunn here and I just want them to say, here you go. Here it is. I feel like that was kind of how Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man came out. I feel like it was like everyone was speculating, but there were no leaks on it. And then all of a sudden it's like, Hey, guess what? You remember uh, the cider house rules? <laughs> we're picking that guy. <laughs> and it was fantastic. It was such a shock. So I would venture to say these giant characters who are impossible to garner the favor of anyone getting getting recast for these roles for these new stories of these beloved characters i want it to be a complete surprise completely out of left field yeah i agree i i I want it to be a complete surprise i also have to say i don't love any of the names though far be it for me to weigh in on casting decisions when We've seen a lot of people get cast in roles that we thought would be bad and were actually excellent, so it's always it's always a tough one. Uh, Nicholas Holtz is interesting because if you'll, if you'll remember, he was a uh, runner-up for Batman, for the Batman, behind Robert Pattinson. Um, so the fact that they would be going back to that well to cast a villain and to cast a very specific villain in Lex Luthor is, is very interesting to me. Um, the Lois Lane stuff is bonkers to me because it feels like there's an insane, uh, or not insane, but there's a, a somewhat significant age gap between many of those um, actors who are being considered for that role. So it makes me wonder if they're thinking about going a couple of different directions for Superman, and they haven't, they you know, they have a Lois for each one or vice versa. Um, mm, yeah. You know, if they really like their Lois, and Lois is a huge part of the story, maybe they have a Superman in mind that would match up well. Um, I think where I'm at on this in terms of what what to take away from it is really kind of nothing, <laughs> you know, um, because... Ignore the last 10 minutes of this like, and I mean, I think the names are legit, is what I will say. I think the names are legit, but I don't think this... I don't think this necessarily tells us anything about this movie, and there's no guarantee that there isn't a name out there that is not mentioned, you know. There probably are many names. These are just the names that got leaked. And just because James Gunn is saying he wouldn't mention or comment on anybody who has auditioned doesn't mean that these aren't legit. Um, Boris right. Kitt is a, is a fantastic reporter. 
He's got good sources, probably well within Warner Brothers and DC Studios outside of James Gunn. And so I'm inclined to believe that these names are real, but it doesn't mean that that's who's getting casted. It doesn't mean that auditions are done. It doesn't mean that it's over. Um, so I think take it with a heaping grain of salt. Don't get all fired up if you're like, I mean, I don't know who would be like this, but ah, oh, Rachel Brosnahan can't be Lois Lane or what have you. Um, I think there's, you know, anything's still on the table at this point. You know, Boris Kitt is such a good reporter. One day we're going to have a film about him that's a la Snowden, and he is going to be like running for his life down down subways and <laughs> jumping out of planes with like a secret piece of paper that has it's to be true, uh, lit with a certain kind of fire to see the name of the next big movie <laughs> cast. And I, I just, I, I don't know why that hasn't been written yet, but I'm really hoping that one day we live to see that day because his his entourage inside of all these studios yeah. they're so deeply embedded it's his, so impressive his scoops are always impressive and it's it's funny too because you always wonder like what was really funny about this story was everybody wanted this scoop in the biz and when boris dropped it watching all the other reporters go oh man <laughs> you know they were like they were like having conversations among themselves like jeff snyder was like who that guy's a bit of a tool, but he was kind of talking about like, here's what I would have done. You know, I, I think the Hollywood reporter did the right thing. They must've calculated that gun would respond, blah, blah, blah. They were all just kind of like gaming it out, uh, which was funny, but yeah, this was a pretty big scoop, lots of big names, but I think it's, I think it's, uh, you know, lots of, of, of frosting on an, on a not very delectable cake, you know, like there's not really anything of substance there. It's salty. It's a little salty. It's a little, it's a little underdone. Underdone. All Undercooked. right. Next up. Also, I love that they, for Superman Legacy, the only image they keep using is this image from the front of that uh, Grant Morrison run of Superman, All-Star Superman, because they've been given no title treatments, no nothing. They just keep using the same, same image. <laughs> hope that artist is getting paid out. I can't remember the name of the artist, but I, I hope that they're getting paid uh, sufficiently for the usage of this. He's image. so smug in that photo, too. Just he is. absolutely the he is. smuggest look ever. Next up, we got a little bit more casting news, and then we're going to talk about the Oscars. We're going to circle back on a story we discussed a little while ago with the Oscars and the voting controversy, controversy, as, as the Brits like to say. <laughs> um, with the Oscars, we've got new rules here, Kirk, with regard to campaigning for, for various. Uh, or, you know, I shouldn't call it campaigning because you're not allowed to campaign. That's what the rules are for. But these four-year consideration campaigns um, where people are, you know, or studios or whoever are trying to get their movie, their performance uh, highlighted to the Academy voters and to get them to vote. Um, there was obviously controversy at the Oscars when Andrea Riseborough snagged a surprise Best Actress nomination um, for Best Actress in a Leading Role. A lot of people sounded off on that, saying that there were um, there was a grassroots sort of social media campaign that was launched. The I believe the Two Leslie, which is the name of the film, um, Twitter account was even openly campaigning for Andrea Riseborough in certain instances. And um, there was also another controversy around Tom, uh, Party, which was thrown for Tom Cruise that had a bunch of Academy voters at it, Kirk. And so now we're at a place where the Academy is, is adding stipulations around 
what can be said on social media, what kinds of parties you can have and who can be invited to those parties, and just overall how you discuss the candidates or the nominees in public settings. What's your reaction to all this? You know, it's kind of an impossible request, these these new clarifications of their rules. rules. The only thing that I could see is that every single, you know, like how every person in the world has their own secret FBI agent, would be to then recruit that FBI agent to walk around with every person during voting season of the academy and say, no, 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 you can't hang out with that person because it goes against rule number 74.263. And... It just it's impossible to allow these to to actually work. I don't foresee um, any of these being completely followed. I still feel like it's very gray and I would be shocked if the Academy ever actually enforced any of these rules and kicked someone's nomination out. That would be pretty shocking to see. I agree with that. And I think that, um, you know, like you said, it's, it's it's hard to enforce. And also, part of me wonders, like, why does it matter? Do you ever wonder that, Kirk? Yeah. Like, like I, I agree that there shouldn't be money involved. I, I Personally, I don't think there should be... I don't think you should be able to donate to people's campaigns, period, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that, like, a marketing department should be able to spend resources or host events or whatever for a particular film. But like if you want to go on social media and perform, promote your own acting performance and a bunch of other people want to do the same thing, like who cares? Who, who really cares? Like um, I think as long as you're not like actually bribing people with gifts or um, which, which that is like somehow allowed. Like they, whenever the Academy is going through like all the screeners and stuff like that, like for the nominees, have you ever seen like critics will post like, here's the swag box that I got from. Oh, that's right. You know what I mean? True. Like, like that, how is that allowed? That's, I mean, that's not for a specific, specific actor or whatever, but that is clear bribery. Um, <laughs> it really is. Cause there's some cool stuff. There, cool it is. There's some really cool there. stuff. There's some really cool stuff. And those, those critics, they, they freaking love it, man. They're like yeah. eating it up. Um, you can't tell me that that doesn't, that doesn't weigh in if, if they're Academy members or what have you. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know. I, I don't know what I think is, is bad or, or not. Like I, I said marketing before, but honestly, if a studio wants to use its marketing budget for a film to say like, Hey, Academy voters vote for this movie. That would be super cool. Who cares? I, I don't really care. I think as long as you're not like, actually bribing academy voters with gifts parties favors of any kind um money obviously like it's fair game right who cares right it's a weird thing the whole andrea riseborough event that that came out of this was super bonkers i mean um, even Michelle Yeoh is is up against this controversy as well uh, as the Academy president uh, tweeted a presumed endorsement of her one one day winning the Academy Award and specifically yeah, for like, the one that she did win for. <laughs> like, why can't those people still express that they really enjoy those performances? That's such a weird thing to prohibit them from doing. Yeah, I agree. And I guess I guess you know to play devil's advocate against my own take. 
Like, sure, you probably don't want like the big studios winning all the rewards, all the awards, just because they marketed that much. But like, if the Academy is voting based on who's advertising to them as somebody who should win, then that's you've got a different problem on your hands. You need some better informed voters. Um, yeah, I just think anything that sways the voters in a way like anything that is given to them in exchange for their vote bad, but you know, I mean any like advertisements, whatever, I don't really see how that's a big deal, but who knows? Right. And, and yeah, like what's Michelle Yeoh supposed to do if the Academy president, like you said, Kirk, the Academy president's like, Oh, I hope Michelle Yeoh wins a award someday. Like imagine if she didn't get nominated because that person tweeted that out. Like what in the world? Right, like you're disqualified because this person likes you. Okay. <laughs> that would be bananas. That would be absolutely bananas. <laughs> That's not fair. Yeah, it's it's definitely not fair. So um, we'll see what happens there. I, I mean, I doubt anything changes on a material level um, regarding that, but we'll, we will just have to see. We will just have to see. And last story I don't have an image for, so we'll go back out to this view. But Oh, yeah. Beetlejuice 2 casting news is happening so beetlejuice 2 is happening as kirk does his best michael keaton impression very good well done <laughs> if i've not seen the movie in a while i forget his life. <laughs> that's nothing like it <laughs> no for real it really has been a long time since i've seen it too um but beetlejuice 2 casting once again uh this report comes from the hollywood reporter there's a few new names and faces joining this cast. Of course, we have the return of some many, some, some of the staples from the first film, including Beetlejuice himself, Michael Keaton, as well as Catherine O'Hara, Winona Ryder. And I think that's about it. That's confirmed so far. Um, But the two newcomers or the few newcomers, there are two big ones, Jenna Ortega, who was like, you know, the biggest rising star in the history of, history she's like absolutely blasting through the stratosphere to take over hollywood um after she was in x she was in scream six she was in obviously wednesday she's been in all sorts of things uh, absolutely skyrocketing through the ranks and then the other one who is kind of like <laughs> the exact opposite of jenna ortega in many ways i feel like uh willem oh. defoe Oh, is Willem Dafoe the opposite of Jenna Ortega? That is the question I'd like to pose Uh, to you. I think there's a compelling argument for yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. (laughs) (laughs) We should analyze that in detail. Is he in fact the exact opposite of Jenna Ortega? We'll Um, take a a sample of their hair and their (laughs) filmographies. We'll compare their DNA and see and put it on a grid. Um, Oh my gosh. Uh, and then other two other little minor casting details. Uh, Justin Thoreau, um, best known for being married to Jennifer Aniston. Uh, for a year. For a while. <laughs> Sorry, Justin. And Monica Bellucci from... Uh, did you put Mafia Mama in the notes? <laughs> Best known for Mafia Mama. I didn't, I don't know who she is. The Tony Collette movie that like everybody's confused about and released to, <laughs> released to theaters for like two weeks. And everybody was like, what is this? I cannot I believe you. I don't know who this girl is and I hope she gets better projects. <laughs> Mafia Mama and Matrix Revolutions. Uh, that's, or what? Matrix Resurrections? 
uh, the newest one, Revolutions. Re- and, no, uh, Resurrections. No, the third one. <laughs> sorry. Wait, she's in the third one? I don't even know, Monica. I'm so sorry. Monica, where where are you? What's happening? What's going on We're going to get a phone you? call from Monica. Kirk, what's your take on, yeah, it's Revolutions. Weird. Weird, weird, weird. What, what's your take on Beetlejuice 2? Are you hyped for this? Um, I never thought it could happen. It probably has so much momentum because the the sheer love and success of Beetlejuice the musical, which mm. I also never thought would be successful. And holy cow, yes, it's a big deal. Just oh, is it finally, really? Yeah, big deal. Just closed on Broadway officially, so it will get some national tours out this way. And I am excited for this. I'm more excited because I forgot that Winona was coming back. I forgot that Catherine O'Hara was coming back. And I, I feel like there's, there's just something to be said here in the, uh, in the brief notes that we have about this is that Jenna Ortega is actually going to be Winona Ryder's daughter in this. So whoever she happens to be communicating with most likely Willem Dafoe, (laughs) and that, that will, that will is yet to be seen. Um, I don't know who he would be dead in in her life. Definitely not her father. Uh, that would be able to just be as as amazing as the first one. But I know that they've got something up their sleeves. And Michael Keaton. I mean, come on, this is going to be so fun. I have faith in it um, to the extent that I have faith in who's in this cast. Like, there's a lot of very capable actors. Uh, yeah. Michael Keaton, you know, Catherine O'Hara, Winona Ryder, Willem Dafoe, Jenna Ortega, all good actors. I like, mm-hmm. I like them all to varying degrees. And so that makes me happy. But this, like the, the legacy th- sequel thing is getting a bit tired, especially when every single legacy sequel has some, some version of, Oh, this is so-and-so's daughter. This is so-and-so's son from the first movie. Um, it's just like getting really tired. Um, I, I get yeah. why they do that because a lot of these films weren't meant to be sequels. And so the only reason they can be sequels is by somebody who's related to this thing. And usually with these older films, the only people who were involved in it was like one specific family or group of people uh, who experienced this phenomenon. Certainly the case with Beetlejuice. So they kind of have to go that route, but it's just like, it's hard to get excited when they're like, Oh, Winona Ryder's in the movie, but she's the mom of the new main character because they're going to like franchise this now. And it's just like, ugh. I don't know. It's not that it doesn't work. I mean, Top Gun Maverick, Scream 5, not Scream 5, Scream 2022 and Scream 6. There are examples of legacy sequels working. It's just, I'm I'm a little wary of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's all I'll say. But Well, um, I will be dressed as Beetlejuice Good. when the movie comes out and I will go to the theater. I will be escorted off the properties and I will Are you sure that's not the movie you got cast in, Kirk? Instead of you might want to check your email again. Are you sure? <laughs> Actually okay, Michael Keaton Michael Keaton dropped out and you have been selected. Your audition was that good. We have similar features, and I can do a killer <laughs> Michael Keaton Beetlejuice voice. Kirk was like, wait, that was my Clark Kent audition. What do you mean, Beetlejuice? What are you talking about? You're dragging you away like you're being taken to an insane asylum. Wait, please, no. <laughs> I look terrible in stripes. I promise you. I look better in tights. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. Well, 
it's coming to a theater near you. So we'll find out. We'll find out soon enough. Uh, other than that, Kirk, I mean, we talk about what to watch. We 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 watched Air, which is new to streaming this week. I know the Mario movie, the, the Super Mario Brothers movie, hits digital tomorrow, May sixteenth. So when this episode Where? drops, Where? everywhere. Where is it? Digital, not streaming. Dang VOD, it. V- VOD <laughs> uh, hits everywhere tomorrow. Uh, still, the Michael J. Fox documentary is on Apple TV Plus. Have you already? Did you already check that out? I did. It is so good. I don't know if you. My wife made fun of me. She's like, she's like, Michael J. Fox is wonderful. She's like, I had no idea you were a giant Michael J. Fox fan. I was like, yes. Like, well, I've I mean, been Back to the Future. Oh my gosh, I've been following his his journey with Parkinson's from the moment that I heard it. It blew my mind that someone of his stature and publicity that it could happen to him. And the, and he very much goes into that. In fact, in what at one point he looks at the doctor and he says, "You know who I am, right? Like I'm not <laughs> supposed to get this." Yeah. Um, oh, it is so well structured, well written, all created, written, produced by Michael J. Fox. That's awesome. It's so wonderful. Run, run and watch it. Get an Apple TV Plus subscription if you don't already. Go buy a new MacBook so you can have a free subscription. <laughs> That's the <laughs> cheapest way to do it, right there. <laughs> $5, whatever is easier <laughs> whatever for it takes. you. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. I Michael J. Fox is a super inspiring guy. Um, just seems to have like the ultimate optimism and and stick-to-itiveness and you know has just continued to be a force in the industry even after his diagnosis of a disease that can be and is extremely debilitating um so that's awesome good for him i i'm definitely gonna have to check that out i just was like not wanting to cry the other night so i was yes. like i'm gonna wait until i'm in a in a better frame of mind than this yeah um, but that's awesome. Uh, other things, Succession. I mean, Succession, two episodes left. We've got that going on. Um, HBO Max becomes Max next week, next Tuesday. So we'll see what that even means. And uh, I think that's about it. Anything else we should be watching, Kirk? Um, You know, Fast X is coming to theaters in a furious kind of way. And I Fa- think everyone be ready for that. Fast X is coming to theaters on Friday. I, it must have been a... I don't know. Slipped my mind for some reason. It's are they calling? Are they now calling it Fast X Part One? Not yet. Okay. But I wonder if we're gonna get like a Dune treatment. We get into the theaters. It says Fast X, and a little car zooms past, and then it reveals Part One. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh man, Kirk. But, that, you know that's exactly what's gonna happen. That's exact. <laughs> that's exactly what's gonna happen, Kirk. <laughs> That's exactly what's going like to happen. Just kind of picks it up and like the gravel uh, creates. That physically, one. that's you saying that and that totally being a thing they would do just stole a piece of my soul from me. It just, yes. I am, I am less of a person than I was a few minutes ago. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's horrible. Um, we were, oh. there is controversy actually around fast X that we're not talking about on the pod because flat out, if you guys are not privy to this, The Wrap, which is a um, you know a movie news, TV news publication, just flat out spoiled that movie. Just like mm. huge, huge plot, or not plot detail, character detail from that movie, boom, spoiled. Not in any of the trailers, none of it. They acted like it was a scoop. They were like exclusive. Fast X has this major thing. And everybody's like, yo, <laughs> you just, like, I didn't care because I'm like, you know, 
very cynical about the Fast mm-hmm. and Furious franchise because that's how I roll. But <laughs> it, it was shocking to see a major publication just like, and now we're calling spoilers scoops. So here you go. Good luck out there. Brutal. Yeah, I mean, I've had a great year, but I really wasn't ready for them to reveal my character in yes. the past sequel. This sequel. is where I it mean, all starts. It starts oh. here and ends with Beetlejuice 2. That's your meteoric <laughs> rise to success, and then the rest is history, man. The rest is history. All right, that's all we got for you this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. We want to, as always, give a special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, as well as his band, Rhetoric who created our original music. Like we said, we'll be reviewing air spoiler free review later this week. So tune back in for that. But until then we will see you next time. Talk to you then. Bye.